They chat, catch up with one another, and reinforce their family ties. As long as that's what happens, Sam says, it's all good. I'm Curious John, and I'll see you again next week. The Sound of the Puyuma Tribe on Radio Taiwan International. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. Connie Jiang is the co-founder and executive director of Taiwan SPCA, or Taiwan Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. Connie is from Taizong, but last week we talked about how she grew up in Vancouver, Canada, and had spent a year in Budapest, Hungary, with her twin sister working for a Chinese-language TV variety show. Today, we begin by talking about what are some of the things that SPCA does. Actually, we have a few uh, main objectives. So uh, one thing that we do is we do cruelty investigations. Mm, that's um, a priority? That is a priority. Um, mm, that's a lot to do. Yeah, it's one of our uh, major departments. Um, so people, if you find um, any animal, it doesn't have to be like a dog or cat, any animal mm -hmm. that you see uh, who's in distress or being neglected, um, you can report it to us. Mm, um, so okay. we have an online report system. And then our inspectors will go on site and try to um, investigate, you know, see if the owner has broken any laws. And then uh -huh. we try to educate people to try to, you know, do better, like treat animals better. Do you sue them? Um, we don't have the legal power to, for example, to issue fines Got or um, give compliance notices, but we work with the government. Okay. Yeah, so we have a partnership with local government and also central government. Uh -huh. um, it's all like this trust that's been built, you know, over the past 12 years. Mm. So the relationship that we have with government is, is getting better. You know, we work together on cases. So how do you look at zoos? Yeah. Like the Taipei Zoo? Yeah. Um, well, you know, uh, for the SPCA, we really don't support uh, keeping animals in captivity, mm. no matter how large your zoo is. I mean, the Taipei Zoo you mentioned, I would say it's probably, um, comparatively, it's one of the better ones okay. in, in Taiwan. Mm -hmm. But even having said so, um, I still think that there are a lot of things that need to be improved. Um, for example, in zoos, you know, 
typically we see a lot of animals uh, exhibiting what we call stereotypic behaviors, mm-hmm. which is um, basically they they turn around in circles or they do things repetitively. Um, and this shows that they are under, under a lot stress? of stress. Yes, and they oh. can't cope with their environment. Yeah, because oh. you know a lot of animals in zoos they're they're kept in like a small enclosure. Yeah, like even like for elephants, like it, it may seem large to people, mm-hmm. but for an elephant where they can in the wild they can walk up to, for example, more than thirty kilometers a day oh. in the wild, and then you lock them up in the small enclosure. Uh-huh. It's it's very cruel. Oh, yeah. So so um, we really don't support keeping animals in captivity. Yeah. Wow, you must learn a lot about all the different animals, about their natural behaviors and things like that. Yeah, we have to, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're not experts in every field, but uh, for any issues that we're campaigning for or voicing, um, that we really have to do our research. Mm. Yeah. yeah. All right, you must have been up on the news lately, how um, an animal escaped the zoo. Oh, yeah, it's the, um, the patas... What is it? Patas monkey or something? Uh, yeah, I've heard about that. Right? Yeah. And then and then months ago about an anteater that, you know, that that escaped from the zoo. How do you look at these situations? Um, I mean, for a zoo like keeping the enclosure safe, um I think it's a very basic thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, one, it keeps uh, visitors safe, and mm-hmm. then other, it keeps the animals safe. Mm. You know, so I, I think they're trying to improve um, on that. I can't really comment on you know what they, what they're doing, mm. um, but I mean, recently we've been really looking into um, zoos and animal exhibits around Taiwan. Oh, yeah, because. Yeah, um, uh, now that uh, zoos, they have to apply for a license. Yeah, before they didn't have to, actually. Oh. Yeah, it was in 2015 um, that SPCA and a few other animal groups that we started pushing to, to uh, change the laws. Oh, so you guys yeah. did that. Oh, yeah, okay. so it's really recent, actually. Mm. But but now they do have to apply. Um, Taipei Zoo doesn't have a license. Mm. Um, recently, we've been uh, protesting... Um, one particular place in Taoyuan, uh-huh. uh, one aquarium in Taoyuan. Okay. Um, I think I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to mention the name. <laughs> All right. That um, really we spent half a year um, investigating that. Yeah. Um, and we found many, many um, problematic areas in the aquarium. That so they don't have a license? Uh, they do. They do. Okay. Which okay. is one issue mm. um how come you know a licensed aquarium still mm. has such really really awful animal welfare mm-hmm. and really um facilities that don't cater to the animal's needs mm. and it's more designed for visitors mm. on an entertainment basis which to us is very you know it's very backwards and it's very um something that needs to be improved going back on taipei zoo do you think that those animals they escape because they they want to escape I mean, there could be a few reasons. I mean, I can't really, you know, say which one. But, I mean, for an animal being kept in, like I said, in a very um, high-stress environment, of course, anyone will want to escape. Right. Yeah. So, um, I think that could be, you know, one issue. 
um, animals in zoos, you know, they're put in front of people and visitors like every day. Mm. And a lot of the zoos, like I said, they're not designed for the animal. They're designed for visitors. So you, you, many places, they don't even offer very adequate hiding places, hiding spaces for oh, animals. So they can have privacy. Yeah. So they're constantly like, you know, in an open area and they have having people like looking at them mm -hmm. for like eight hours a day and then repeat you know 24 well not 24 7 like seven days a week right you guys totally oppose zoos that that's a big project if you're gonna say like no more zoos that's yeah <laughs> yeah um i mean i would say that our main focus now is that since there are zoos um, currently in taiwan then our main objective right now is to try to have them improve animal welfare I got it yeah. yeah that's the best you can do yeah. wow that is amazing what's it like to have six dogs <laughs> in the house yeah and it, a pigeon and a pigeon um i mean it's fun um i go home like from a high stress work day and then i see them and then like all of a sudden i'm just like i, I feel much more relaxed and um i'm a bit happier you know but i must say i mean it's still a lot of work mm -hmm. and with six dogs i mean there sometimes there is barking you know and they some they fight sometimes like <laughs> they, they argue with each other yeah yeah um but having the rescue pigeon um is actually very interesting actually it's my first time keeping um a pet bird yeah yeah um so i i didn't really know too much about birds actually before right. this but then since having her I just really grown to really, really love birds because they're so smart and yeah. actually they're very um like they know what you're thinking and oh they, wow. yeah and they have emotions like uh -huh. she would sometimes get really mad at us and she'll uh -huh. start pecking us uh -huh. like we let her fly around the house right which I think is like the best way to keep a bird is not locking them up in a cage but having space for them to fly around in because yeah. that's the uh, i mean it's a natural behavior they fly right right so um so she flies around the house and uh she she's not afraid of our dogs like we're <laughs> it's amazing yeah it's amazing like we'll be watching tv and then she'll fly over to the living room and like you know perch on the um, on the couch and oh, just does, like, does, does he or she it's a she yeah okay does she perch on the dogs no <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what? It's so funny because she'll sometimes like fly over in front of one of our dogs yeah. and just like start looking at them like she's not afraid. <laughs> and then like I have two rescue poodles. So the small ones will sometimes like also I guess they're playing like she'll, they'll rush over. Uh-huh. And then kind of like kind of scare her a little bit, uh -huh. but not really like going to right. bite her or anything. Oh, okay. But it, it's very interesting seeing the animals like interact with each other. Yeah. Yeah. I know. We've seen movies like that, right? Yeah. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. But the bird, does she poop everywhere? Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> she does. That's one of the... <laughs> I guess more um, like you would have to spend a lot of time like just going after her, like picking up because <laughs> you can't train her to yeah, go to can. the bathroom. Right. Yeah. And they go like every 10 minutes, <laughs> actually five, maybe five to 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. But their droppings are like, I guess they're very easy to clean. Like they don't cling onto the, the surfaces. If you clean it right away. Um, yeah, that's yeah, true. That's true. Right? But even if like, you know, if you leave it for a day, you just. It's it's still it's still okay. Oh, how, yeah. how about the odor? I mean, there's no odor actually. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So but you train the dogs. Yeah, we train the dogs. They oh, go I mean, you walk them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Walk we walk them. them. Yeah. yeah. So they don't go um inside the house. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. You must live in a house with a high ceiling. Yeah, the actually, bird is. Yeah. You've given them names. Yeah, uh, the bird. No, it's funny. Um, because the bird was a rescue bird, so we were th- at first we wanted to release her back yeah, into right, the wild. Right. Um, but then you know once because she had an injury on her on her foot, and then once she healed, and then we let her outside. She didn't want to fly away anymore, mm-hmm. so she just kind of hung around in our yard. So then we thought, okay, fine, we'll just keep her. Mm-hmm. But then we every day, like in the afternoon, we let her outside, and right. then she flies around. Like she'll she'll go off and like uh-huh. fly around for a few hours. And then she'll come back to our back door, and she, if she wants to come in, she'll start peck, pecking at the door, lock on the door. Yeah, yeah. So um, she she knows like she has a, her own schedule and everything. Yeah. So that is so neat. Yeah. So you still don't have a name for the bird? Oh yeah, bird name. Yeah, her name is Bird. <laughs> Oh yeah, right. I I was saying the rescue stories because we didn't we weren't thinking of keeping her. So then me and my sister were like, okay, then don't give her a name、oh, because we would get too attached, attached, right? If she flies away. So then we're like, okay, fine, just call her Bird. So now her name is Bird. Still, and she would respond if you call. Yeah, her Bird. yes, she responds to her name, and sometimes like it will be like five p.m. and you know she will be like, hey, where's Bird? So then we'll go outside and we start calling out her name. We're like, Bird, Bird, where are you, Bird? <laughs> And she'll come back. Really, it's so、okay. cute. She'll hear her name and she'll、yeah. fly back. Oh, that is so cute. Yeah. And the names of the dogs. Okay, so I have one not name. Not dot one dog two dogs. Yeah, first dog Pookie. Ah,、uh, one called Mimi, Maymay, Xiaohei, Bobby, and Lily. Oh, yeah. Looks like there's only one male. Is that right, Xiaohei?、Uh, oh, two, no, two, two, two. Okay. Oh,、yeah. well, that is so neat. Yeah, they're so cute. Yeah. So. What are some of the things that you think Taiwan is great for pets? Well, yeah, you know, that the Taiwan is doing a good job. Okay, and you know, and like for, for, for、um, yeah, pet owners. Yeah, pet owners. Yeah, pet owners. Well, you know, um, there are a lot more, I guess, dog parks now.、Mm. Um, I think that's convenient. You know, you can let them off leash. Um, have them run around. You've got one near where you live. Yeah, I live in Neihu, so、mm. so there's one there、mm-hmm. that we always go to, and it's by Hebing. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's enclosed, right? It's There's enclosed. There's a fencing. Yes. Right, but you can just unleash them. They can run around. Yeah. It's a pretty big place. Yeah, yeah. it is. And I think it, it's good to take your dog there. You know, I do it like almost once a week, like every week. So just to have them run around, you know, release their energy and have、yeah. some exercise.、Um, and other,、uh, I think Taipei City is doing、um, very well with like cruelty investigations, and、um, a lot of cities are actually focusing a lot on education. You know, pet ownership responsibilities and all that. Government is really pushing, you know, for microchipping and、um, right. neutering your pet. So,、um, it's so are your a- dogs all neutered? Yes, they、oh, are、okay. all neutered,、um, which is good for their health.、Mm-hmm. You know,、um, so I think for in the past ten years, like animal welfare movement has really, really gotten a lot better. Oh, good. Well, thanks to you. No, <laughs> thank you.、Uh, also, you know, with、um, from other animal groups that's working hard as well, and also you know members of the public, like especially young people. Like we have a most of our volunteers are like you know students,、mm. and young people who and they really really care. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can tell that they really really love animals. So you were saying that you guys take any kind of pets. Ever had to handle a snake? In our cruelty cases, yes, we've come across like、um, cases where. Involving snakes, yeah,、um, it's mostly to do so with. So someone、um, reported it, right? Yes, it's all reported. Oh, okay,、yeah. okay. But it's from、um, the snake was in the、um, an animal exhibit, like a a private,、oh, okay. like a petting zoo. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah. We come across like all sorts of animals. So what know? happened to the snake? Um, it's still at the the zoo, but we've managed to improve its welfare, okay. its living conditions. Okay. Well, I wish we had more time to chat, but um, it's really really great knowing you, Connie, yeah. and just the way you talk about SPCA and your love for animals. I mean, it's not just only Taiwan problem, but it's also a global problem, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So now, uh, thankfully, we're able to expand to Kaohsiung this year. Mm-hmm. So we'll have an office there soon. Oh, great! Yeah, so we'll have wow. inspectors there. Ooh, yeah. so that's another thing to get busy with. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, thank. Thank you, Connie. Thanks, Shirley. Classic shorts, poems, and stories from Chinese literature. Welcome to Classic Shorts. I'm Natalie So. Taiwan has been mourning the tragic death of at least 50 people who died in a train accident on Friday, April 2nd in Hualien, eastern Taiwan. Today, let us look to Chinese poets who wrote about the sadness of death and losing a loved one. Of those 50 who passed, there were husbands and wives, children and mothers and fathers, many who have family members mourning them right now. This poem is called On the Death of His Father. It was written by Wei Wen-ti, the son of the famous Cao Cao, who founded the dynasty of Wei during the Three Kingdoms period. I look up and see his curtains and bed. I look down and examine his table and mat. The things are there just as before, but the man they belong to is not there. His spirit suddenly has taken flight and left me behind, far away. To whom shall I look? On whom rely? My tears flow in an endless stream. You, you, cry the wandering deer, as they carry fodder to their young in the wood. Flap, flap, fly the birds, as they carry their little ones back to the nest. I alone am desolate, dreading the days of our long parting. My grieving hearts settle pain 
no one else can understand. There's a saying among people, sorrow makes us grow old. Alas, alas, for my white hairs, all too early they have come. Long wailing, long sighing, my thoughts are fixed on my sage parent. They say the good live long. Then why was he not spared? That was a powerful poem written by the son of one of the most famous men in Chinese history, Cao Cao. Cao Cao was one of the most famous men in Chinese history. During the fall of the Eastern Han Dynasty, he was able to secure most of northern China, the most populated and developed part of China. He was also successful in restoring public order and rebuilding the economy, and has been praised as a brilliant ruler and military genius. But he is a controversial figure as well. He was often portrayed as a cruel tyrant in later literature about the Three Kingdoms period. But in the poem written by his son, we can see that in his son's eyes, he was a sage parent. And losing his father was a loss like no other. Let's look at another Chinese poem about death by the famous poet Ranji. Morning sun will never be at its peak again. The day grows suddenly dark in the west. This parting is as brief as a nod of the head. How can it be as long as an autumn? Human life is like dew in the dust. How long, how vast is the way of heaven? Duke Jing of Qi ascended the cow hill. Tears fell down his face like crossing streams. Sagely Confucius looked over the long river, lamenting time so swiftly floating by. What is past I cannot reach again, and what is to come I cannot keep. I wish I could climb the Taihua Mountain, roam up there with songs of the immortal. The fishermen knew the sufferings of the world. Taking a little skiff, he drifted along with the current. Those are two famous poems about death and the transience of life. May they help us remember to cherish our lives and time with our loved ones even more. Thanks for tuning in to Classic Shorts. I'm Natalie So. You're listening to News Playlist. We've queued up some of the most interesting reports for you, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International.
Welcome to News Playlist. I'm Paula Chow, the program host. As authorities investigate the causes of last Friday's deadly train accident, one transportation safety expert has offered insight into the final seconds before the crash. In footage from January, the Taroko Express No. 408 leaves Huron Tunnel traveling at over 120 kilometers an hour, heading for the Qingshui Tunnel. It's a clear stretch of less than 300 meters, and it's precisely here that one of Taiwan's worst train disasters occurred on Friday. The distance between the tunnel and the truck was 250 meters. Taroko trains normally cover that in less than seven seconds. Taiwan Transportation Safety Board Chairperson Yang Hongzhi says there simply wasn't enough time to stop the train. After analyzing the train's CCTV footage, he says the driver reacted within four seconds, but by then the train had traveled nearly half the distance. Yang says no matter what the driver did, he couldn't have stopped the train from hitting the truck. Yang says the accident was made worse by the fact that the train then entered a second tunnel. He says that's why the left side of the train was so severely mangled. The Taiwan Transportation Safety Board is reviewing footage from the train's cameras and conducting 3D scans of the area in the hope of shedding more light on the cause of the accident. Stash Butler, RTI News. It's been just over two weeks since Taiwan received its first doses of the AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine. And it would seem that the clock is ticking to get doses into people's arms. That's because of fast-approaching expiration dates. But one expert believes that the vaccine could actually keep much longer if properly stored. The only question is if people want to get supposedly expired doses. When dealing with a new vaccine, like the AstraZeneca vaccine for COVID-19, it pays to be cautious. That, according to Dr. Li Pingying, is the reason why the expiration dates for the vaccine come so soon. But he says that usually, a properly stored vaccine still works after one or two years. The same should hold true for COVID vaccines, he says. If true, this is good news. Taiwan has so far received several hundred thousand doses of the AstraZeneca COVID vaccine, but as of Monday, fewer than 20,000 doses had been administered. Lee doesn't think that this is a problem. He says supposedly expired vaccines are likely still effective for some time. It's just a matter of whether people are willing to accept these doses. Lee's views may hold some sway. He sits on the Central Epidemic Command Center's Committee of Expert Consultants. So it's possible that even once technically expired, leftover doses may eventually be put to use anyway. John Van Trieste, RTI News. Taiwan has a tradition of eating spring rolls on the day of the Tomb Sweeping Festival. It is believed that in the old days, people refrained from using fire to cook food as they paid respects to their ancestors. So the spring rolls people eat on this day are not fried as they would otherwise be. This year, Tomb Sweeping Day spring rolls in the southern city of Tainan are being served with a twist. Cooks are adding Taiwanese pineapple to the mix of ingredients, helping fight back against a Chinese ban on Taiwanese pineapple imports that has hurt local farmers. Cooks in the southern city of Tainan have always been an innovative bunch, and this year they've unveiled yet another new creation, spring rolls that use fresh pineapple juice in the dough. After China put a ban on Taiwan's pineapple imports in March, Taiwan's gourmands have thought of all kinds of creative ways of incorporating pineapples into their dishes, boosting local demand. 
Another creative take on the spring roll involves adding pineapple slices to the mix. Other fruits are added as well, like slices of waxed apples, guavas, and apples. With a mix of sour and sweet flavors coming from the different fruits, the dish becomes a deliciously light and healthy meal in itself. Tainan City Mayor Huang Weizhe has come out in support of these creative uses for his city's fruit. He is encouraging further culinary innovations that will boost local fruit farmers' sales. Shirley Lin, RTI News. This is News Playlist, a weekly rundown of some of the most interesting news reports brought to you by RTI. Watch along on YouTube if you like, or close your eyes and enjoy these stories by way of sound. Taiwan is facing its worst drought in over half a century. Officials have encouraged people to conserve water, but there's just not enough to go around. On April 6, the government began rationing water in central and southern Taiwan. A water company employee fills a tank with water in Taichung City, central Taiwan. He's not trying to make a big pot of soup. No. He's saving up for when water rationing begins on April 6. Starting that day, the government will only provide water five days of the week. With Taiwan facing its worst drought in 56 years, these measures are born out of necessity. The water company has set up 347 water stations like this one in neighborhoods around Taichung. They'll provide a limited amount of water on the days when the water is turned off in the community. Neighborhood chiefs will monitor the water levels and can ask for more when they're running low. It's not just residents who are affected. Local businesses also need water for cooking and cleaning. Without a dependable supply, everything could grind to a halt. Some restaurants are planning to use disposable utensils to save water, while others will close on days when the water is turned off. Leslie Liao, RTI News. It may only be mid-April, but Taiwan's hot summer already seems to be fast approaching. High temperatures in Taiwan's southern cities have prompted the Central Weather Bureau to issue a heat warning. It's the first day of the Tomb Sweeping Festival, and Taiwan has the perfect holiday weather. Central Weather Bureau forecaster Guan Qingping says Kaohsiung and Tainan cities should take precautions against the heat. He says Taiwan's western plains capture a lot of heat, so that's why the Bureau is issuing a warning. Temperatures could reach 36 degrees Celsius. But it's a more complicated story across the rest of the island. Friday and Saturday will see hot weather, but sporadic rain in the central mountains and on the east coast. From Sunday, a northeasterly wind will bring rain and cause temperatures to drop, and then Tuesday and Wednesday will see temperatures rise again and stabilize. Guan says northern Taiwan will experience highs around 24 to 26 degrees on Sunday, but that will drop to around 20 degrees on Monday and Tuesday. Taiwan's outlying islands are also experiencing unusual weather. The Central Weather Bureau has issued warnings for thick fog. On the islands of Jinmen and Mazul, morning visibility has dropped to less than 200 meters. That's why authorities are asking people to drive safe and keep their eyes on the road. Stash Butler, RTI News. And finally, we have a story about tutoring. A survey released by a local job bank shows that the local tutoring market is booming due to high parental expectations and a declining birth rate. He's a graduate student at National Taiwan University's Mechanical Engineering Department. The student's surname Lai teaches math to middle school and high school students. 
he charges about 30 U.S. dollars per hour and is making 4,000 U.S. dollars per month. From Monday to Friday, I go to grad school during the day. At night, I tutor one student a day. On the weekend, I teach six students every day who get tutored for two hours each. That's 12 hours of teaching. A job bank spokesperson said those who teach Chinese composition and extracurricular classes charge more than before, making up to 30 U.S. dollars per hour. And that's all we have for this week's edition of News Playlist. For Radio Taiwan International, I'm Paula Chow. Bye-bye. Are you listening? <laughs> this is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. RTI, exercise for your mind. Sometimes misinformation is just sounds like nonsense. But we still do a very good job and try to figure out what's going on and dig into more information or dig into more uh, interesting knowledge to our audience. Hello and welcome to this week's Underline brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. In June of 2020 last year, Taiwan Fat Chat Center won a global checking award for debunking a video that falsely claimed vote rigging in the elections in Taiwan. The debunking process only took 15 minutes, but summer Chen Huimin, editor-in-chief of Taiwan Fat Chat Center, said that is not the normal case. It normally takes half a day or one to three days to debunk misinformation, and sometimes it even takes up to two to three weeks. Some misinformation has been described as a zombie rumor, as you can't kill it, and it keeps coming back. Some merchants said when this happens, they make good use of the line chatbot to answer questions raised by the public. <music> About the vote rigging, the uh, false video uh, misinformation that was created on the video, it took you about 15 minutes to debunk it. But how long does it normally uh, for your center, Taiwan Fat Chat Center, to debunk information, disinformation, or false news? Oh, (laughs) actually, uh, sometimes it takes us half day, it's quickly, and or sometimes uh, one day to three days normally. And in some cases, we spent maybe two or three weeks <laughs> wow. to uh, publish a fact check. Um, so the 15 minutes is uh, magic <laughs> 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 to us. To, so usually we spend a lot of time to uh, fight against just one misinformation. 
although it's uh, sometimes the is misinformation is just sounds like a nonsense, but we still do a very good job and try to figure out what's going on and uh, dig into more information or dig into more uh, interesting knowledge to our audience. Since uh, its inception in August uh, 2018, how many pieces of false news uh, or claims has your center debunked? Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, there are uh, 852 fact-checks we have until today, until yesterday. And uh, uh, actually, there are very few. There, the number is very few, and we are far behind misinformation. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but... Uh, after, uh, because I t- took this job uh, over one year, and I think misinformation is not like news. It sometimes it's more like uh, waves, like waves in the ocean. They are come back again and again, especially the topics about health or about uh, traffic. Uh, they will come back. It's just like uh, some some fact-checking organization, they will mention or describe those kind of misinformation that are like a zombie. <laughs> you can't kill them. They, they are always come back. So what we need to do is when this kind of misinformation, they come alive and uh, we have chat bots so the audience can ask the question, is real, is true? And we can answer them by chatbot. And also, we do the media literacy. So we will go to max speech in community, uh, in university or com- some community center, and to do the media literacy. So between August 2018 to now March uh, 16th, uh, you have uh, debunked. Um, you have made 852 fact checks. Mm-hmm. What is your target in the future? Mm-hmm. Um, I think for this year, we will focus on vaccine because uh, the vaccine um, is very has very complicated uh, science knowledge. We just got very few information. So uh, when people feel anxious and the people didn't get enough to, information, then it makes the space to misinformation and the disinformation. So for this year, we will focus on uh, fixing information. If anything or any mis- any information or claim about vaccine, we will try to debug them. Mm-hmm. And we know that uh, last year was a, a tough year. A lot of the news uh, mm-hmm. revolved around COVID-19. And so it's been more than a year now uh, since the pandemic swept across the world. Now, has there been false news related to the pandemic or has there been less? Uh, mm, I think in Taiwan is totally different from other countries. In Taiwan, uh, we have two big waves uh, of misinformation about the pandemic. One wave is um, since last uh, January to last April, and uh, because at that time, Taiwanese society feel very anxious about the COVID-19. But uh, since last May, I think everyone feel very safe and uh, comfortable <laughs> because mm-hmm. Taiwan's government is doing, is doing 
very slow. And uh, uh, the second wave that comes uh, since last December to uh, this January, because uh, do you remember the Taoyuan Hospital has some infected cases at yes. that time? So uh, Taiwanese people feel panic and anxious at this moment. So the misinformation about the pandemic come alive, <laughs> and we can read a lot of remedies and uh, prevent measures. Uh, however, those those kind of uh, claim are misinformation. They are come back. And uh, however, it's pretty interesting that when they come back, they, uh, their expression becomes better. For example, uh, we saw a remedy say, if you drink green tea with lemon, uh, a lemon green tea, you won't have any COVID-19. So uh, we saw it in uh, 2020, and when it come back in uh, this year, it said, hey, there is an international top secret <laughs> <laughs> remedy, and the remedy shocked the world. Do you know what's that? And do you know why there is zero death cast in Vietnam? Because they drink <laughs> the green tea with lemon. Mm-hmm. So you can see how the... How the misinformation is, is uh, looks so charming and uh, looks so uh, convincing. So I think that's how what we see uh, this year. However, when the the situation gets controlled, like 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 now, and the people didn't feel any anxious, uh, everyone feel very relaxed. Then the misinformation has no space; they just disappeared uh, recently. But we will see the misinformation about the vaccine. This is Radio Taiwan International. So false information we know has been growing rapidly with the growth of the social media such as the Facebook or Twitter and so on. Now what can you do more to stop the spread of false news on social media platforms? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, what our fact check can do is pretty limited because we publish very few fact checks. Like what I say, we are far behind the spreading of misinformation. So our strategy is we want to teach everyone do the fact check on their own. So uh, since last year, we hosted a workshop for ordinary people, for teachers, and for uh, journalists, journalists. And uh, uh, we teach people how to do the fact-checking on their own. And uh, also, uh, we go to uh, community university to help them build the material plan and the teaching plan. And so they can bring the media literacy and the fact-checking spirit into their class. And uh, when people give them up, uh, we empower uh, them, then everyone has the ability to uh, fight against the misinformation. For us, the, all the citizens, our um, audience, they are at, at the frontier, and we are at, at the second tier. Mm-hmm. So if everyone can fight against the misinformation, that's what we are looking for. Now, has your organization also worked with um, some media platforms such as uh, Facebook or Line? We know Line is a very popular 
a messaging app here in Taiwan? Uh, yes, uh, we work closely uh, with uh, Facebook, Line, Google, and Yahoo. And uh, for Facebook and Line, we are their third party for fact-checking organization. We offer our fact-check to them, especially uh, for uh, Facebook. Our fact-check can help us to reduce the misinformation post spreading on Facebook. And for Line, Taiwan is the only country uh, for Line company to build the Line fact-checking channels. So we think uh, Taiwan fact-check center has the responsibility to work very well with Line because if we are working well and uh, the Line fact-checking channel is doing well, then it could be the good example to other countries. And the line companies should uh, transfer those uh, experience to other countries. And uh, for Google, Google uh, help us to have the, it sponsored us to have the training program. So uh, we have last two years, we have uh, the training program for teachers and uh, for fact checkers and uh, for the representatives from media. So all the uh, teachers, fact checkers, and the uh, media experts, we learn the fact checking advanced skill and uh, make progress ourselves. So that's, that's how Google supports Taiwan's uh, uh, fact checking community. And also, we work with Yahoo. We uh, published our fact checks on Yahoo's website too. Mm-hmm. I wonder, you know, uh, the media especially the private media or even the public media or even an organization such as yours, you know, the uh, Taiwan Fact Check Center. Um, Everyone has been involved in trying to debunk disinformation. Mm -hmm. What do you think the government has been doing? For example, like the education ministry, um, Mm -hmm. you know, should do (laughs) with the, the young kids in school, you know, junior high school and senior high school students or uh, who are maybe uh, easily influenced by disinformation? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I think the uh, education minister has already put media literacy into the course and they think the media literacy is very important uh, ability to young students. However, the teaching plans or the material are still very limited. Uh, most of the teachers didn't get enough uh, skill or knowledge to teach uh, students how to, to have the media literacy. And uh, for TFC, I think for the young students, it's not to teach them what is correct or what is false, but they, they would be very interested in how to do the debunking on themselves, how to do the fact-checking on, on their own. They will have the passion to, to learn the skill, the tool. So um, last year, we host uh, three workshops, and half of the participants are teachers. They, they have uh, realized their students were bombed in digital age. They can't stop them to use mobile phone. So they want to teach them and uh, uh, to help them to make decisions or to help them to get knowledge. So I think uh, 
fact checking or the fact checking skill is very, very important or a very good way to learn the、uh, media literacy. So actually, we 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 still have the education minister when they host the workshop for civic class、uh, teachers. We are the speakers、uh, for their workshop. And that was the second part of our interview with Miss Summer Chen Huimin, the editor in chief of Taiwan Fact Check Center. And that's it for this week's On the Line, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. And goodbye. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In Southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kilohertz. Again, that's in Southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kilohertz. And in Southeast Asia, from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me/radiotaiwanintl. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me/radiotaiwanintl for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.